Good heavens, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 12. I'm your host, Bob Evans. My real name is Kevin Mitchell. Thanks for joining me once again. Um, wow, it's been a busy time lately. I My head is full of Josh Pike songs because um, I'm about to embark on a tour with my good friend Josh Pike. It's called Another Evening with Josh Pike and Bob Evans, and we're touring all around the country. Um, in a, it's going to be a big show. We're going to play for two-plus hours every night all around the country, um, playing each other's songs, backing each other up on each other's songs. It's going to be really cool. Some of the shows have already sold out. It's very exciting. Um, so for all the dates and ticket details, you can go to my website, bobevans.com.au. The Canberra show is sold out. The Brisbane show is sold out. Newcastle is probably sold out by the time this goes to air. Um, and we've got lots of other shows, obviously, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, uh, and some regionals as well. So... Uh, yes, do come along. It's going to be great. I've been learning Josh songs for the last few weeks, and um, I know them intimately. Also, what else is happening in November? Uh, my band Jebediah is going on tour for A Day on the Green uh, with UMI, something for Kate and Spiderbait. And we're doing wineries all around the country as well. Once again, uh, if you want to see all the details for that, you can go to jebediah.net. It's going to be so much fun. So the next two months, um, starting about a week after I uh, am talking now, um, I'm going to be playing shows every week, every weekend um, for two months. It's going to be crazy but wonderful. Um so yeah, I'd love for you guys to come along and see us play. Um, if you've been listening to the Bobcast, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And I'd love, uh, I appreciate all the comments on iTunes. If you want to rate and review on iTunes, I would love that. It all really helps. Um, because yeah, it's been really, really fun. And uh, it's forcing me to... Um, <laughs> to get out there and have conversations with my friends, you know, with my my musical colleagues, um, people that I've known for a while, such as my guest uh, for this podcast, who is Claire Bowditch, who's someone that I've uh, known for probably about sort of 10 or so years. Um, she's an amazing person. I'm sure you all know that she, not only is she a accomplished musician, she's also been... A, she's also acted in uh, the TV show Offspring, in which she was fucking great. You know, I've got to say, like, I was really impressed with... And when I saw her on Offspring, I was like, she's such a natural. And now, when I talk to her on this podcast episode, she is currently presenting the afternoon shift on ABC Radio in Melbourne. And that's where... I went and visited her to have this chat. Um, so we got kind of interrupted towards the end. We only had a small amount of time. I basically went in there just as she finished her radio shift and we had to wrap it up pretty quickly because she had to go and pick up her, 
her youngest kids uh, from uh, daycare. Um, but she is a wonderful person who I, you know, uh, have feel a lot of affection towards, and I'm sure you guys will as well when you hear her talk. Um, as per usual, the uh, Good Evans It's a Bobcast soundtrack is on Spotify, and I'm always updating the songs on that, and that um, is a sort of, uh, it, it has all the songs that we have talked about over the last few months of doing this. Um, so yeah, check that out if you want to sort of listen to the songs that we talk about briefly towards the end of the podcast. Um, I think that's about it. I'll leave it there. Um, I'm going to keep trying to um, to keep putting these podcasts out regularly over the next couple of months while I'm on tour, even though I'm not quite sure how it's all going to work because I'm going to be traveling so much, but I'm going to do, do my do my darndest. If you guys are enjoying it and you're listening, I will keep trying to make them happen. Um, so, okay, here we go. This is episode 12 with my good friend Claire Bowditch of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. <laughs> I'm just letting the conversation flow. Yeah, I I did one of these just recently with my good mate uh, Josh Pike, of course, who's your friend too. Pikelet. And right off the bat, he said to me, um, oh, it's really weird you have like a podcast voice. It's like you're a different... <laughs> and I got into a elaborate and he basically said my podcast voice was um, like a lot sort of was you know anim- a lot more animated is that true so yeah. you, sa- you save it for the camera or the, the recording well, yeah, device well it's like i don't realize i didn't realize that it's happening we well, must be really good friends with him because i think when you're really close right. with someone you let them see that side of you yeah. that's a bit more like you should see me in the morning i'm a fucking cow like i've yeah. got nothing to, excuse <laughs> my language. i got i got not much to say i've got mm. cuddles but i don't talk a real lot but yeah. if you woke me up with a cup of coffee like if we were on a tour <laughs> and you went it's, it's right. time to go down i'd be like g'day kev yeah, how yeah. are you mate yeah well i mean you probably you know this leads me to you know what i wanted to start off talking about um you probably do a lot of talking at the moment because we're we're at the abc at the moment we um, are. which is uh you're what where you're currently employed and have been for what? How long has it been? Well, a few months? It's come, no, it's it's or, um year. it's been a year and wow. it's sort of moving into the second year now. Yeah, so isn't yeah. that a surprise? Yeah. In terms of having a, a a job that if I had been the sort of person who did a vision board and wrote, I would like the kind of job that allowed me to speak to interesting people, be well yeah, yeah. paid and come in only four days a week. I mean I yeah. got that job and it was yeah. handed to me. Yeah. 
on a platter and it still leaves me room for, for touring. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. You've done acting and stuff as well and obviously Stop laughing. music. It's no, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just I find it really <laughs> fascinating because there are all these very specific kind of disciplines, you know, broadcasting, acting. <laughs> How do you, well, first of all, what do you write when you have to fill in a form that says occupation? What do you write? I write mother. Really? I do because I just find it's the, the I mean, for me, if you're looking at an occupation, what's the thing that I put most of my imagination into? Mm. Um, and also, what's a sort of pretty straightforward thing? What's not going to get me kicked out of the country? <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes... So what's going yeah. yeah. so to... Going to lead to like the least amount of suspicion. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I write "Stay Home Mother," uh, which is always, you know, my 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 partner slash he's actually my husband, but we just we're getting old now, so we say partner just to keep it fresh. <laughs> um, but Marty often has a bit of a giggle. It, it's 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 oh, there should be a term. I mean, you're you're the same. You're doing this podcast now, and you've got your, your finger in lots of different. But I couldn't write podcasters. I mean, I suppose there's still a part of me. That even though, you know, I'm like you, I mean, the, probably the most, my wife works till, you know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon, five days a week. So um, I'm stay at home dad, you know, yep. for a, a large period of the week, probably, and the same, I spend probably the most hours and energy and time in, in that. But I guess there's still a part of me that has it sort of ingrained that like, if, if you're not getting paid for something, yep. you can't put it down as like, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, and and I think amongst my in my relationship, we've really challenged that idea a lot. So yeah. Marty and I became parents before I was known as a musician. In fact, the whole thing coincided. You know, we were mm. in bands together. I didn't think I had what it took to. I didn't think I had the medal to be famous. I, I knew that the only way to make your living in music as a musician was to be famous. I didn't think mm. I was capable of 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 that because I I had an idea that I, I wanted to spend my whole life telling the truth. And mm. I saw a model of fame um, that didn't match with my idea of who I wanted to be what, as a mum. What does that model look like? And, or, so it was, a, it, it, it was a, so this is pre, if we go back to kind of the 90, early 90s, mm. we had only just, we were only just starting to understand a thing called the internet. Mm. It was really before Annie DeFranco and, and our own John Butler had kind of blown open the idea of independent musicians. Yeah, yeah. So my idea was, in order to be famous, you have to please the gatekeepers who are in the middle, and that was the media and record companies. Mm. And I did not see myself fitting that model. Mm. I, I couldn't... Um, you know, it was there was kind of this vacuous idea of what fame is sold mm. to us, and I saw mm. a couple of a couple of role models. I saw like a PJ Harvey, and I, I, I knew that perhaps it was possible, but she was also willing to be highly sexualized on her own terms. Mm. And again, for me, I just couldn't see where my kind of music or my mm. kind of um, personhood would fit. Right. So it took a lot of. Um, convincing on Marty's behalf. We were playing in bands for years, but we'd make these albums with Fred Raku, and then I wouldn't. I was too shy to promote them. I wouldn't have my face on the posters. I was really scared <laughs> to even go into Triple R. Wow! And you know, I was dealing with actually really chronic anxiety for many years. Yeah. You know, and which is sort of ironic because it's now in confronting that as a twenty-one-year-old and twenty-two-year-old, um, it's become the. I don't know, the, the courage that I had to come into has now given me the opportunity to have the kind of jobs where I get to tell the truth all the time yeah. in my work. I just didn't didn't know how to do it and still be myself. And That's I was, interesting. Yeah. 
Um, Jesus, we went right into it no, early. No, that's, that's good. Five minutes into the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, <laughs> like, sometimes I think about this a lot more recently now, um, about, like, how different I feel when I'm being, you know, entertainer, singer, stage guy, and when I'm just at home or whatever. And, yeah. And it's weird because I think, like... I'm becoming more, I don't know, I I'm, I think in some ways I'm like becoming more introverted off stage or whatever as I get older. And the distinction between the two is becoming wider in a way. And does it does it bother you or do you can't, are you kind of embracing yeah. it? I haven't got to the point of being able to embrace it yet. I'm still kind of struggling through like, how, you know, whether how much of it really matters or just kind of yeah coming to terms with with that you know yeah. if like trying to figure out is this is there some kind of deficit in my you know personality that i need to address here am i you turning know? into an old fuck <laughs> is this what happened <laughs> is this age yeah is this just a, you know like my knee that's kind of really shit now as well or, but uh well look probably i mean we've we've i i i remember tours where we played similar shows like 10 years ago okay mm. so we were in our or you know in our late 20s and, and early 30s and it's you were you were you know there's a playfulness that you can have at that age before you mm. have the responsibility of family and so <laughs> on that's really enjoyable but yeah. for me what's happening is I, I initially mourned the loss of that playfulness in mm. my own life when I became a responsible adult mm. there was sometimes a part of me that thought oh god you know the fun is behind me what's what's occurred to me curiously as I've mm. gotten older is I'm enjoying more the um the bedroom slippers kind of yeah vibe. Right. I mean I I struggled with it for years but I'm the sort of person now who could accept a, a day job like I, ne I never thought I'd step back into that space I, I don't yeah. know if I've got a couple of years on you but yeah the differing personalities yeah can be I don't know ch a challenge but maybe yeah. you're just reserving more of your energy for stage yeah maybe I mean I guess what made me think of it's just you know that interesting thing that you talk about that you know had the anxiety that you you know felt when you were younger and how you know you you've developed a career based on you know having to not be anxious or at least be having to you know break through that you know that barrier you know or at least accept the kind of person I am so once yeah. I got it in my head that it was okay to be a sensitive creative type mm. and I think this is something that you know I was a really big fan of Jeff Buckley I saw him play four times you know I met yeah, him right, briefly right. Um, I, I think when I started to meet people like him yeah. in our world yeah. I thought right so what what have, what have people like that done they've had to carve their own little corner of yeah. the earth out and I I don't know, I knew that I just had to accept that I was going to be this sort of person who probably had too many thoughts, too many ideas, too much to say. Hmm. And my, my defining moment in my career was Marty and I became pregnant with our darling Asha when we were 26. It was yeah. a, and I thought, right, it's now or never. I'll, I'll, I'm going to put writing to the side. I'm going to put theatre making to the side. I'm going to put anthropology, to ethnomusicology to the side. I'm going to be a musician. And just choosing that huh. one thing... Um, which was the hardest thing in some ways. I just thought mm. I can't wake up at 40 and go, crap, I never gave it a crack. Mm. Even though now that I am 41, I realise, oh, wow, 
you can wake up at any moment in the day and go, hey, I'm going to give it a crack today. Yeah. I think particularly in, in this day and age, it might sound a w- wistful, but I'm always inspired by people who are not defined by their age. Yeah. But for me, I had to simplify a lot. So sometimes I reckon there are these periods of time where there's not, you're just on the domestic front Mm. And you can barely kind of put your bootstraps on to get on a plane, to get on tour. Mm. But do you find this once you're on stage, it's like a self-generating engine? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely feel like um, the domestic part of my life, you know, is has takes up so much more of my life. And sometimes it's tough to reconcile because they just seem to exist on opposing kind of planes you know like domesticity and being up on stage you know that they, 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 they feel like opposing things and yeah sometimes again like I and, and you know my as we were sort of talking before my I've only been a dad for five years so I'm still fairly new to it um and coming to terms with you know how everything kind of revolves around each other and works but um yeah sometimes if I'm in domestic world for too long a sustained period I start to feel like I'm losing the creative or that that thing, you know. But I guess, I don't know, maybe it's kind of similar to, you know, that fear that you were talking about before, you know. Like, when you you had kids at 26, did you feel, did you feel like a young mother in your, like... Marty and I are really lucky. Our, my best friend married Marty's best friend. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember you telling me about that. Which is a wonderful kind of experience. And they had already a nine-month-old by the time we were pregnant. So mm. there was at least one other friend I had, we had, and, and our, our closest friends, John mm. and Deef, who had a baby. I still... I, I had a fire in my belly about it, and so did Marty, because like you, you are this unique generation of dads. Mm. You know, my dad, my beautiful dad, Ian, barrister... Really, you know, a, an extraordinarily kind man, but a true workaholic like ev- like many men of his generation. Mm. And, and, you know, I wrote a song, Homage to My Dad and the ABC, about that feeling of being in the car with him and knowing his mind was really occupied, but right. having the ABC on and that being this kind of yeah, linking wow. thing, which yeah. is a lovely idea now upon reflection. Your generation, Kev, and Marty's as well, you're redefining what it means to be a father in a really practical mm. way. It's It was very unusual when we had Asha 14 years ago Mm. for there to be men as part of the parents group. Mm. So Marty and I, and and it still is, uh, you know, in in many ways a a, a rare thing, but becoming Mm. more common. But I guess what what I'm trying to say is we had the feeling that we had the opportunity in that time, Marty and I both working in the same industry and yes, being relatively young parents, um, we had the chance to reinvent the model of how it was done in comparison to how our parents mm. raised us. And that just meant we wouldn't have those straightforward, salaried, conventional, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that would have to live a bit more hand to mouth. So in, yeah. in many ways, and, and they were, my parents were very supportive of that. So initially really scared, I think, because mm. they, they want, you know, your grandparents, my, you know, your parents want stability for you. Yeah. But I feel like I had a fire in my belly because yeah. I thought, why the hell are there not more Australian female singer-songwriters releasing their own songs and having lifelong careers? Mm. What happens to these women? Why aren't we hearing them on the radio? Mm. And that coincided with a period in time where business changed. You know, mm. It meant that I, again, I didn't have to go down the traditional route of having 
a record company first. First, I could tour and build my audience, use social media. I could use my own website. I could write letters, things that I called open letters. So, you know, later I would find out <laughs> they were called blogs. blogs but right. in 2002, they were just letters that I would yeah, write to my yeah. to the people who followed me and vice versa. And <laughs> later on, again, there was a choice in how we did business. It was the record companies who came to us for a conversation and we were able to license to them and do yeah. things a little differently. So everything felt pretty fresh and exciting was there a moment where you it occurred to you that it that you could actually make that happen there was a realization you know that there are actually lots of moments of Mm. despair because (laughs) i think it was you know again this was a moment of despair that made me realize there was a possibility for us to keep doing it so Mm. early on in our career i'm touring we're taking our baby on the road or else I'm going away for a night. And I'm not mm. the sort of person who's naturally good at being away from my baby. Yeah, I really wasn't. Yeah. Asha was the one at the time. Marty would be home with her and I would, you know, I might be doing a support tour for someone. Yeah. So there were a lot of really shitty, yeah. really low paid gigs yeah. where we lost money, but we were thrilled for the opportunity to tour someone. Yeah. Anyway, I was doing this one particular gig and you know, I was at a real low point. I just thought, what are we doing? We are mm. mental. Who do we think we are trying to make our living mm. making music? Mm. And I was on a, a, a bill of a festival when I was second on and there was a dude who was first on. And I was sitting in the chai tent. Uh, my accommodation <laughs> had fallen through for the night. <laughs> a fan had just offered me her couch to sleep on. Oh, wow. um, yeah. I didn't have enough money to pay for my hire car. You know, it was just a, yeah, one of those yeah. moments where you just go, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. I think I was 28 or 29. Um, and I overheard a conversation from the organizing committee. Now, for this gig, I think I'd been paid $200. Wow. And that was my air flight, my airfare from Melbourne and so on. And I heard them talking about the main act and how they'd had to fundraise to get together the $30,000 that the the main act had been paid on the night. And it was one of those moments in time where I thought, well, we're going to have to learn a little more about how this business works (laughs) to make it work. But also, you know, it's possible to make make your living you know yeah. our children will not be in poverty so in a way it was it was a hopeful moment mm. but it changed the way that we did business and it changed the way we started asking questions i suppose that sort of determination to you know do things independently i guess it kind of also leads you down the path of having to maybe you know not like you always learn from your mistakes no matter what path but it did, maybe there's a different set of you know a different set of kind of mistakes or things that you need to learn when you when you're in that path you know if you don't have like if you don't go down the path of like major labels or big management and all that that are can still fuck you as well but you <laughs> yeah, know like yeah. it's a different kind of set of things well by the time we entered into that world we could do it more on our own terms sure. also the industry changed so yeah. you know it had softened because mm. um, record companies were realizing that they're their model of profitability didn't work anymore we Mm. were going to have to partner together and that's the situation we find ourselves in now Mm. we're recording album eight we release through oh you're recording a record at the moment yeah awesome yeah and the relationship that we have with the people who help us release these albums Mm. at island is is solid you know Mm. and they've been nothing but supportive i've had four years in between an album you Mm. know and they don't 
you know, they don't give up. So yeah. that's that's wonderful. And it's not through lack of songs. It's just I thought, you know, there were a couple of other things I wanted to do with life. <laughs> what about, I want to talk to you about um, the uh, recent uh, TV game show that you were on. Because I'll, I'll tell you why I want to talk about it. Because, um, so this is on Channel 7. It's Channel 7, right? Yeah. It's the big yeah. music quiz. Yes. Now, um, I, the reason why I want to ask you about it is because many, many months ago, an email came through um, saying, you know, it was an invitation to take part in this TV show, right? And I was like, it was like months out of me putting out a record and I was like in that mode of time where it's like pretty much, I, I you know, I would say, yes, yes, I've got a record to promote, you know. Um, and then like maybe a month later, um, an email came through saying, oh, look, you've been bumped, you know, uh, oh, somebody else. I know that feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody else. I don't know. Like they, it was like, Rebel, we've got Rebel Wilson now and you've been bumped. And, you know, my initial thing was like, ah, oh, fuck, like rejection. I've been rejected, you know, from the show. Yeah. Um, not knowing anything about the show or whatever. And then when I watched the first episode, I was like, fuck, I think that actually made the right call because, like, I don't know. If Did I you watch to, it and feel like you yeah. dodged a bullet or something? Um, it wasn't your kind of show? Right, I was just, I didn't really know what to expect. And I guess naively, I just, when I hear music quiz, my mind just automatically goes, um, you know, rock quiz, speaks and speaks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you've um, been so spoiled. So I want to know about your experience of being on that show. And I'm not in any way trying to diss the show as in, you know, in a way. I think you know about you of all people, you know how many people work on a show like that and how much work goes on behind the scenes and how they're trying to balance commerciality with quality and all the rest of it. So, Like the... The, the, but it obviously required. I no, I didn't see the episode that you were on. I just saw it on your Facebook site. It was brilliant. About. There's a lot of energy, like they they require a lot of participation in a very physical way. You know, getting up and. So I think sometimes what what happens on shows like that is um, there's a green room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And um, you know, people loosen up and yeah. they might have, have a have a shandy. Yeah, yeah. And then yep. they're thrust out into the the audience and, and you know, that's that feeling of, of creating an environment of fun and games. Yeah, yeah. I mean you never know how it's gonna be edited. You never know yeah. how it's gonna come across. How was it? Did, did so did you notice that? Because I remember doing Spicks and Specs once and that filming it must have gone for like two hours or something. Yeah. And it gets cut down to half an hour. Is that a similar thing with Yeah, there's many hours of recording. Wow. Yeah. So tell me, what is your your question about that show, particularly just, or the process just, of being on Yeah, it. I'm really curious about what happened yeah, behind the scenes. Are you wondering if you missed anything? Is I, I just want to know, like, no. I, yeah, I guess I've got a little bit of FOMO, you know. Sure. Oh, um, right. Okay, well. I've got to live vicariously through you. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. So there was a fun and hijinks um, that happened, but there's always a feeling that... Um, you know, it's it's for that for the way I frame that is that that is simple entertainment. Mm. So that's pretty straightforward entertainment. Mm. It's and it has a formula and parameters, and it had a big star on on it on that night. Who Rebel, else? Rebel who? Wilson. Who oh, right. had, who again? She was on the episode that we did, and Georgie Parker, and it was. So we would have been on the same episode. We were on. <laughs> no, really. Like, well, I think they just, you know, I. But, you know, there's only room for one Australian independent artist at a time. <laughs> Have you ever had that? Like, I'm curious to ask you because 
a few times it's come up recently. People that have asked me about the early days where myself and my, my people who have become my girlfriends, like Missy Higgins or Sarah Blasco yeah, yeah. or so on, we were all sort of mushed into one okay. pot together. Yeah, and, yeah. And then it was talked about this rush of Australian female singers, so mm. I was Jen Clower, and it was really just that technology changed and right. um, and we were allowed to – we, we – t- took the opportunity yeah. to release independently and so on. But yeah. do you ever get mixed up with other Aussie singers? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, not so much now, but certainly, like, when I was started doing the Bob Evans thing, um, me and Josh always... Because, what do you mean? You're, you're well, not the same person? <laughs> like, I... In the first sort of... Around about the time of 2006, we did a tour together, and he was still a, a little... I think his first record came out the following year, and I was just about to put out my second one. But we toured together and we always got lumped in the same kind of box. It was weird back then because, <clears throat> I mean, there were other, like, I mean, there were people like John Butler and stuff were yeah. really well known. And, but did you but I guess get... he was in that sort of blues, he was sort of putting the blues and roots mm. kind of basket. Um, and we weren't really in that. But I used to even have people at my shows request Josh Pike. Song. Yeah. People would ask me yes. to play a Josh Pike song. It's like you realise <laughs> because to me we don't sound anything alike. We sound totally different. But well, did you ever have that experience of going into so in my early days of my career when my management record label myself we we're all trying to work out because I was being really supported by Triple J. Yeah. But was there a song that I had that would be played on commercial radio? Right. right. And my suspicion was no, but I would still sort of be wheeled out to, to go into major radio stations mm. and play in their boardroom and yeah, all the I've rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever it's had that bit. one where they go, we really love the song, but we've actually already got an Australian artist <laughs> on the show this week. Well, well, we would get that all the time, yeah. you know, and all of us would because us girls would get together and talk, you know, we were told. And so, sometimes we were managed. Two of us or three of us were managed by the same dude, who was mm. told, "No, sorry, um, we've got already Missy's on the on mm. the show this week." As though there was not enough room for. I wonder, too many like, of you. is that? Do you think that there's also blatant a, sexism? Yeah, was, funny you should ask. Well, because uh, you know, my first reaction when you asked me about that was like, you know, um, there have been times on festival bills where yes. it's like Josh Pike's on the bill, so don't have you. But but what you're talking about as a as a white male singer songwriter i can honestly say no like somebody has never said to me we've already got a white male singer you know like so we don't have i suspect that and i don't want to sort of put words into your mouth or lead you down a a path but obviously it's something that i would like to talk to you about (laughs) but yeah i suspect to me that sounds like yeah a little bit of a little bit of sexism as well. Well, I think it's it, with any... It's a little dash of sexism just, in the mix. Just, just a little bit of pepper. <laughs> I don't talk about it too much because it's a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> and this is something that my mates who happen to be Indigenous also experience yeah, as a songwriter. Yeah. And again, it's this push-pull between commerciality mm. and stereotyping mm. and talent mm. and all the other things that everyone's juggling you know all the time I wonder if you're the kind of person who would judge someone for being on a reality TV show or do you reckon music is so tough who cares oh it's well look that is something that I've changed my my I've evolved in my thinking about this right? you bastard <laughs> <laughs> well you're talking about like no, reality TV shows like yeah. uh, Idol and did you used to just were you someone okay. who like gave the dirty the pink first... did you give the dirty eye to Guy Sebastian at Arias or something no did no you? I wouldn't have had the balls um, <laughs> but um, but no certainly when when it first 
when those kind of shows first came up and they were really popular and and it was you know a new craze whatever my autumn and this is going back along this is i mean that started you know well probably 15 years ago just about now so um back then my sort of knee-jerk reflex response to that was like this is fucked you know and and because they hadn't done their time or just because uh, because i felt like it was like um fast track and yeah yeah so element of that and also was rewarding you know artistry and creativity and all that kind of stuff now that was my reflex kind of response to it as a as a you know 25 year old or whatever um and yeah i had a pretty yeah I, i felt fairly strongly about it but as time's gone on i've realized that Everybody, like, everybody who wants to, who loves singing and just wants to, just wants to sing in there, whether it's like, and if there's an opportunity to have a, to get paid for it and maybe even do it as a job, even better, but just to have opportunities to, to do what they love. Like, who am I to say that like one thing is more worthy of that than another? I mean, so in a sense, I guess I kind of look, we started to realise that at the end of the day, we're all kind of the same. We've all got the bug. We all yep. want to perform. We all yep. want to sing. Um, and if that's like, I, you know, if that's your sort of avenue of choice, then, you know. Power to you. Yeah. It make, if it makes you happy, then, you know, yeah. who am I to. And I think that's to also me, myself going through a period of time where I started to. Um, uh, have to navigate through my own career of like, you know, dipping record sales, not having that, you know, at the time that I was judgy, yeah. you know, I'd never, every, success had kind of fallen into my lap really quickly and I'd never really experienced yeah. the hard, you know, the hard work that, that, that was sustaining something, you know. So then of the years of going through that and starting a solo career and stuff, it kind of changed and getting older too. Yeah, kind of changed my <laughs> changed my opinion of it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, what about you? What What are your thoughts on? Uh, I think what always upset me about them was, like, I I underst- I understood the the burning desire that people have to mean something. You know, I knew that behind all of those auditions are a whole bunch of usually kids mm. saying, you know, please tell me I matter. So I always mm. felt the cruelty of, you know, the gladiatorial style of mm. of um, critique mm. and cruelty. Mm. I already said that word, but it's the only word I can use to describe it. So that always bothered me. And what else bothered me was the contracts that those kids were asked to sign before they had even had a chance yeah, to yeah. see if they had any talent. Yeah. Those things bothered me. As the years have gone on, and they still bother me, you know, yeah. but I think that that style is... is at least with with the judges, I I think that style may be changing. But and I also think that generally participants, you would think, even though they're still quite young, there might be a. I expect that there might be a little bit better knowledge about what they're now. That's right. Than they used to be, what they're getting into. So it was a bit of a mystery to me how someone could have the guts to do that. Mm. But I think now these days, you know, I see these incredible artists. I actually get to interview them, you know, four days of the week here at the ABC. Young. Um, <laughs> Young kids like Greta Ray, a 17-year-old from here in you know northern, uh, just north of the city. She's she's just won unearthed high school um, competition. 
but there she is she knows who she is mm. you know as a as a musician already she yeah. has a really strong sense of herself she has the ability to determine in a way that I don't think came to me until my 30s mm. I think I'm That's just amazing. deeply impressed by yeah. what's happening in the creative scene yeah. in, in Australia yeah I really am and is that like as you know with your job now mm. or one of your <laughs> one of your ready jobs um <laughs> but yeah your role because you do so you do the afternoon shift on the ABC yes and is afternoon. that Australia-wide or just in Victoria it's Victoria okay yeah um but anyone can listen to, on digital so it's Australia global wide on digital just to let you know and so is that what you've when you went into the job what were you kind of were you expecting what were your kind of expectations and what things about it have kind of come as a really amazing surprise? I was I was very lucky with the job. As, as with a whole heap of things in my life, I couldn't have planned it. Um, I studied radio documentary making when I was 24 and living in Canada. So I was studying wow. at the UBC there, doing yeah. ethnomusicology, creative writing, and... Um, and making radio docos and I sort of was mentored by a chap at the CBC uh, fortunately so so that's the ABC equivalent and I liked being in the bunker like we mm. are now I loved mm. being in the in the bellows of a national broadcasting yeah, you know, yeah. really fun feeling and being able to tell stories but I didn't know that I would be a broadcaster until you know I got a phone call at the end of last year saying do you want to have a crack mm. Um, so I came in with humble expectations because I didn't know if I'd be any good at it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know how much I would love it. I suspected I'd like it, but I wondered about the pace and the regularity of it. And also I was, you know, due to put out another album this year. So we had to put that on pause. Hi. Hey, darling. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I've got this studio book for half past. Okay, cool. Do you think it'll be much longer? We'll wind up. Can we we, wrap up? Yeah. Can we have about... Five minutes. Or yeah, so, sure. Yeah. Actually, I'll just see if I can book that studio instead. Won't be long. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Right. Thank you. Um, well, let's quickly jump to. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about songs quickly. Um, uh, no, right. Um, uh, you've put a list together for me. How, tell me how you, what, what this list represents. <clears throat> I just went to my playlists and basically looked at the songs that I play the most and and. Cool. Um, it was a surprise and it was not a surprise. Yeah, you yeah. know, things like Eye of the Tiger, who knew I played so it that much? Is, <laughs> so, this is, so is this actually a top 25 most played list? And, yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So in order? Um, no, not in order, actually. Okay. I had to grab them from a few different playlists. Okay. Um, did you yeah. find that in your top 25? Because every musician I speak to yes. says that uh, their own songs or demos or like, you know, mixes of songs that are like littered all through their top 25 people level. Or when you've got kids, it's like oh, yeah, yeah. a song that their kid really likes will be like really high and it doesn't represent them. <laughs> Was there any of those for well, you? I went to um, a device that I pretty much just, I went to three different devices, but these are not the ones. My, like my kids are now old enough to have their own devices. Yeah. So none of the kids' songs appeared there. Although things like. I mean, there are a few songs here that have been influenced by my daughter. So should I? Okay. Should yeah, yeah. Well, things, let's um, mm-hmm. let maybe we'll choose if we just choose three. Normally, with each episode, yeah. we sort of go through three. So if you just choose three from your list, 
Well, the one that I won't mention is Robin's dancing on my own. Um, what? Robin, you know, I'm just dancing on my own. So I've there's got no of, idea what that song there, is. There are all these pop Robin. songs on there and the Beyonce Halo and all of that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I know that one. Um, first, Rob, is Robin, is that like a... She's like a Swedish pop sensation. Of now? Yeah. Of, or of, it, it's, of, it, there's been a re-release of one of her songs, an acoustic re-release, but she's, you know, this song's from maybe five years ago oh, okay. or, or perhaps less. But let's look down this list. What are we going to pull out? Um, okay. Well, for, tell me about, what, what about I the Tiger? Because you got to, okay. yeah, if that's on the list, I, I need to know why. <laughs> I the Tiger is our rev up song. So uh, we often do this little thing called Joy Dancing in our house where yeah. you, you put on a, a classic song. But the yeah. other reason it's high on the list is... Um, and there are a few songs of that genre, shall yeah. we say, a bit of Hall of Notes and etc. Yeah, awesome. Every right. Monday here on, on my 774 show, I do a thing called a Guilty Pleasures duet. Right. So an artist chooses a song and um, it's usually a, a song that you might sing. It's a karaoke style of song. Yes. But we do an original version of it and we do one take. So there are songs like that that are high on my list that I've played mm. again and again. Mm. And and the curious thing is Eye of the Tiger is not one that we've <laughs> actually done yet. So I've really got no excuse. I just love the song and I used it um, as a – I used it in a tour that I did where we just sort of play it on stage as a bit of a surprise <laughs> for, our, for our crew. I think I've ripped out the chords to, to that on stage quite a few. Uh, you know what, that, for a little while, for a little time at Jebediah shows, if there was some kind of halt to the show because for some technical reason, someone's having a problem and there was a halt to the show, that was my go-to thing. <laughs> the stuff by the stuff of the Tiger. I don't know why, where it's it came so from. Or if, it, if it was even a good idea, but um, yeah, no, yeah that was, was just my weird idea. go-to for a while. I love so, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, another one that's high on my list is Tammy Parler's Let It Happen. Ah, oh, great. For some yeah, reason, it just is on repeat in the house. Yeah. I, it's just a song that Marty and I both love. Yeah. And, you know, it fascinates me what happens that first time you hear a song and you go, wow, there's something in that. Mm. And then it becomes one of the world's biggest songs of that period in time. That always surprises me. I don't often pick the biggest song. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't pick, you know, for example, Heart's a Mess. I, I, I loved, I'm sorry, not Heart's a Mess. Um, yeah. Somebody that I used to know. Somebody that I used to know. I loved that song, but yeah. who knew, you know? Yeah, I couldn't. I remember hearing that for the first time on the radio and thinking, oh, this is a peculiar song. And never, my first reaction was n- by no means was it like, oh, this is holy, this is going to be a fucking massive worldwide hit no way my first clue was when my my beautiful sister Anna from Malvern she's got her eye her nose to these things and she yeah. rang up and said I've just heard this new Wally song it was extraordinary and when you know when Anna Anna and I have sometimes different musical tastes, mm. sometimes the same but that was a little clue mm. she's the what do you you know she sniffs them out yeah yeah she knows the hits oh, she should be you know there's a job in that, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Apparently, I'm shit out of that. Um, so, Tame and have you been a fan of them for a long time? Or I have. That... Okay, cool. So, the reason I I was a fan of theirs, I did a beautiful um, manage. What was it? Help John. John and Danielle Butler have this thing called. Uh, sorry, Danielle Caruana and John Butler yeah. have a beautiful mentoring program called the Seed, yes. and I was up there. Um, they invited me to, to join them. In Katoomba, they teach young people. They mentor them through this process of being a music manager. And Jody, the Tammy Parlor manager, was there. And we met. We had a wonderful night together. And I knew very little about her band at that time. 
And so I just got excited about them, yeah, yeah. kept my eye on them. And um, yeah, so I guess I've been a fan since yeah. since then. And now they're just dominating. Yeah. And you know, the thing's crazy now, like, you know, not only... Um, oh, this is how exciting. This is... There's a so, we're, so this is what's happened is like the, the studio is kind of being yeah. overtaken and yeah. now we're hearing um, someone else I'm going to pick it up look if I pick it up and we just sort of walk out in the hallway and finish this conversation together the third track I mentioned her before but she's high on my playlist at the moment Kev here we go we're going to go out here Um, (laughs) this is the first time we've ever cast on the moon don't mind us we're we're actually just we're sneaking down the ABC we're trying to find a spare room (laughs) we look like we're up to something sorry there we go Oh, this is a cupboard. Great. Fantastic. Here we go. Was it, you want to take a go seat? on. Yeah. Just do this. <clears throat> right. Oh. Nope. Do you edit these or you don't <laughs> yeah, edit? Yeah, you totally. <laughs> but I mean, often I don't edit out the stuff like this. Yeah. This is, I mean, <laughs> this is radio gold. <laughs> that is what this is. Third song. I mentioned her before. Greta Ray. Her song okay. Drive. I just sometimes it. I'm going to get a bit of mood lighting going on in here. <laughs> um, sometimes a song perplexes you. So there are songs like The Knife's Heartbeats, which Jose Gonzalez did a cover of that's up there too. There are songs that just are anomalies, but I find myself wondering how the hell did this 17-year-old girl mm. have the heart and sense and, I don't know, how did she have that in her bones mm. at that age? Just blew, I think like what happens sometimes with really young writers is because sometimes that sort of innocence or naivety or whatever like the sometimes the lack of experience can be the best thing in the world because you haven't developed any of the bad like you know those bad habits or those voices exactly Mm. you know like those voices haven't started like making the getting louder in your hair that are you know maybe too critical or whatever and sometimes young artists they sometimes it just feels like they have this really direct pure connection to what's inside them you know yeah and And they're not necessarily and as you get older you're always I find you know I have to fight a lot of the, you know, fight against a lot of those kind of, you know, voices in my head that I know aren't helpful, you know, yeah. in what I'm doing. Yeah. That I do, you don't have when you're starting out because you don't have any sense of other people hearing you or being critical. I don't know. Well, sometimes I feel like I'm actually walking around with a pet asshole in my head. <laughs> like I call it the PA. I'm like, fuck, the PA is loud today. <laughs> And that helps me. It helps me to frame it because, yeah. again, we, you know, we started early on in our chat. We, we talked about the the potential flip side of, of anxiety, which is this this gift of, of self knowledge and also learning to have a sense of humour with your flaws. Mm. And I reckon, I mean, my flaws are so loud and fat in my face so often, particularly because I keep doing these new things all the time. And, you know, I've got friends who say, why don't you just stick to the thing that the things that you know you're really good at? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but... Um, I think maybe you're good at a lot of things. I know, no, that's no. The, that's I, the real problem. You should hear how loud my asshole is in my head right now. It's really loud. <laughs> but um, I don't know, learning to... Like, it's been my, my life's challenge is learning to count myself in and learning to come to some sense of playfulness and peace with that voice mm. in my head because mm. you know so often 
so many times in my life I just feel like yeah, it's threatened to completely derail me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's, you know, in a way, all I'm doing every afternoon is keeping people company. And that, hmm. that, that feels good. I, I'm, yeah. I keep things smaller now. Yeah. You know, I don't have to change the entire world. All the, I used to feel that I really had to do something significant with my life. Otherwise, it was whatever. And now, writing stay-at-home mum is more than enough on my yeah, little yeah. passport. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know you've got to run, so... Well, speaking um, of stay-at-home mumness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got to go and yeah. pick up... Pick up the boys from aftercare. Yeah. And now I've got a teenager who kind of makes her own way oh, home, which is... amazing. It's pretty wild. Wow. Well, that we'll save that for a whole, another podcast. It's <laughs> been <laughs> oh. lovely. Um, thank you so much, Claire. Um, thank you. And, yeah, all the best with the new record that you are making. Do you yes. have any idea when... It'll be finished or? I, I, I think we'll hopefully get it out. <laughs> I've been <laughs> saying the worst thing that's the answer, isn't it? Middle of next year. Never yeah. Yeah. Do you write books? Are you writing? Do you, are you someone who's gonna do a little memoir oh, on the side or something? I I fantasize about it. But you know, I'm always I'm probably one of those people that, you know, I have a lot of ideas, but I very rarely <laughs> <laughs> initiate any constructive kind of, you know, plan. I think sometimes people underestimate how busy those the years that you're in, which yeah, are varying, yeah. are. Yeah, it's and crazy. That pressure that you put on yourself mm. um, when you when you you're still very hands on. Like life, mm. there's a lot more room mm. in my life as my kids yeah. have gotten older. That's inspirational. Yeah, just hang on to that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks a lot, Claire. Thank you. See See you, everyone. Bye. Bye.